When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest, second time on the show, have brought some Zach Wilson heat the last time he was on. Now we get to talk a little contract extensions and training camp with uh, training camp starting up next week for the Jets. Brad Spielberger of PFF. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, I'm excited. We uh, The first episode did well, so we had to bring you, bring you back on for, for a second time. Um, obviously, very exciting football is back. We were talking a little bit about yesterday. Um, Just rookies report today when this episode will drop. And, um, you know, I guess we'll get right into Brees Hall still being unsigned. For some reason, the Jets cannot figure out how to. I thought that they made progress this year. There was no uh, no drama with any of the first-round picks. They actually got signed pretty early in the process. Um, the Houston Texans threw a bit of a wrench in the process, giving Jalen Petrie, which seems like a full third-year guaranteed, um, he was the pick after Brees Hall uh, for context for people that are kind of wondering. The Jets have not signed Brees Hall yet. Um, can you kind of get talk a little bit about just kind of the process of signing rookies and, you know, why, you know, he maybe remains unsigned? Yeah, so it happens every year where agents try to push further and further. For example, this year, it's the first year ever where all 32 first-round picks got a full four-year fully guaranteed contract. Like you said, there were no holdups with the Jets three picks because they probably, you know, based on where they picked their guys, they had no argument if the 32nd overall pick is going to get a fully guaranteed deal. So what happened last year for the first time was um, uh, was it Tyson Campbell, the Jacksonville Jaguars, had his full first three years guaranteed and actually a tiny bit of his fourth year. But nevertheless, uh, the Houston Texans did this not only with Jalen Petrie in the second round, they also gave Damian Pierce, their fourth round running back, a really, really strong rookie deal, as people know. The, the amount is slotted, but, you know, some of the nuances, the guarantees and, um, with Zach Wilson, it was a whole offset issue. Uh, but yeah, so nevertheless, so the, the pick after Brees Hall got his first three years fully guaranteed. The Jets very much so stick to precedent. They clearly do not want to do that. To give the Jets some credit, neither are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we know with Logan Hall. Uh, and now I'm blanking, but you know, he's not the only one of those first, the first four picks before Jalen Petrie are not signed. And that is why. Yeah, so, I mean, it's frustrating with Zach because, I mean, for Brees Hall because of what kind of what happened last year with Zach Wilson. It happened with Jamal Adams. It happened with Sam Darnold. It always seems like there's something. Um, you know, this year, I can't blame the Jets, like you mentioned. I, the offset language and stuff, it was annoying. And that, that was a whole different discussion. That stuff, you can kind of understand where the Jets are coming from, but also where, you know, Zach was coming from. This is just like the Texans threw a huge wrench in the process. And, you know, if the, of all the teams, it's not just the Jets, it's all the teams in front of the Jets are, are also, um, you know, kind of holding firm on that. Let's get into a little bit more something that we've been talked about a little bit. Um, you wrote about, I believe, the article dropped this morning on uh, PFF.com or, you know, surrounding 
all these guys that are kind of dealing with contract contract extensions, whether it's the Kyler Murray's, the Jesse Bates of the world, the Jets should trade for Jesse Bates. They won't, but um, competitive. Um, but let's talk a little bit about George Fant because played really well last year, but the Jets kind of had him on a team-friendly deal. And, you know, he's entering his age 31 season, you know, primarily was a right tackle, played left last year. They've invested a ton in this offensive line. Can you kind of talk through, A, what you think his valuation, you know, should be and kind of what he may get? And, and also, basically, would you honestly extend him? Yeah, so the Jets did do a good job um, in that first deal for him, three years, about $27 million, And there was a lot of projection there. You know, Fant was kind of the swing, even played some tight end. Uh, you know, in Seattle and and wasn't known as a true plug and play starter. And they went ahead and said, look, we view this guy as a, you know, right tackle starter ability to maybe kick over if he needs to. And, you know, in good and bad ways, he, he did kick over for almost the entire season last year at his highest, you know, season grade for us and, and played well at left tackle with the, with the absence of Makai Becton. So, you know, I do think he deserves an extension. He obviously feels very much so that he deserves an extension heading into this season. Um, I don't think it would be a drastic raise over the about $9 million per year he's signing. I projected a three-year $35 million extension, so a little less than $12 million per year um, with about half of that guaranteed. You know, it, it's tough because I think you can tell based on some of the language coming out about Makai Becton. You know, the, one report from Dan Graziano at ESPN said, the front office supports him. The coaches are really frustrated. His weight is not where it needs to be. Yes, he had his kid, you know, but didn't report. And I don't think anyone really holds it against him for the birth of his first child. But but nevertheless, just there, there always seems to be something, right? And so I think they want to say, no, he's our left tackle. He's our blindside guy. We drafted him, you know, that high for that reason. Therefore, fan, you know, we're grateful that you can kick over in a pinch, but we don't view you as a left tackle. And I think fans kind of saying, look, I should be paid as a guy that can play at a high level on that side. But I think one thing you and I spoke about in particular, he's not a great zone blocking, you know, offensive lineman. And in the system, you know, with LaFleur, you need to be able to move in space. And, and that's going to be a big part of your value if they're going to give you. I mean, look, he would become one of the highest paid right tackles in the NFL, even on the deal I gave him, maybe the sixth highest paid right tackle in football. Um, is he worth that amount? You know, maybe not. You know, he's going to be 30 years old. Doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires because he was kind of a rotational guy early in his career, but it's a tough back and forth because you know there's some deals coming up. You're making all these first round draft picks, and yes, it's a couple of years down the road. But as we know, Joe Douglas does not care about that. He is frugal. You know, he wants to spend on guys he believes in being cornerstone pieces for years to come. Um, it's going to come to a head, I think, before week one, and I think they can find a middle ground. It's just trying to convince fans, you know, you're not a left tackle and you're not going to be paid as one. Yeah, what's what's tough for this is that the Jets want to make like George Fant wants to drag this out until he's officially named the left tackle, which I think will happen pretty early in camp unless something drastic happens. I, everything I've heard is that there's no way Beckton's playing left tackle based on I don't even know if he's gonna be able to practice from day one, which would be a huge issue. I know he posted a picture with the dentist, and everyone was making a big deal out of how skinny he looked. Um, I'm not gonna give. Uh, you know, a lot of credit for being in shape. I, I don't think that's, I think that's setting a bar far too low. Um, but look, the problem is that the Jets would love to get this done before he's made the last tackle, obviously, because as you mentioned, if he's on, you know, right tackle money or swing tackle money versus what, you know, the left tackle market, you look at Orlando Brown in, in Kansas City, um, you know, he's looking for, you know, quite a quite a large sum of money. And I, just, the Jets, you can't pay George Fanta. As much as I like the player, I thought he had a really nice year last year, especially in pass pro, he's very good, but He's not this dominant run blocker and the scheme is predicated off the run game. So 
that is an issue. Um, and then again, like you mentioned, yes, he's only in year seven of competitive football, which is really impressive that he is where he is, but that also, he's also, it's not like he's 26 in his seventh year. He's, you know, 30, 31 years old. So, um, you know, I, I would kind of tend to agree with where you're at in terms of that. Um, you know, even if he gets into that $15 million a year range, which is probably pricey based on um, not being the cemented left tackle, but a three-year deal with getting him guaranteed money this year, at least some partial guarantees for next year. And then year three, Joe Douglas, we know really guarantees pretty much no money in year three of any much any deal he's done, whether it's the DJ Reed deal, Jordan Whitehead, Barrios, like all the deals this offseason, you know, Uzama and Conklin's deal. We can kind of talk about this because I know you, the Jets were a top six salary cap health team in the report you did earlier in the offseason. But all these deals are either glorified one or two year contracts and it gives the players and, you know, on both sides, you know, ability to test for agency again, where if they're, you know, play better in their value, but also gives the Jets flexibility down the road because they're fine for right now. And you can always manipulate the cap and kick stuff down the road, but, you know, they did have, they drafted five or six first round picks with the last, you know, three or four years and high second round picks that you expect to pan out. And one of them is a quarterback. And obviously we know, you know, this, these numbers are going to start to, and who knows if that's going to be good, but if he is good in New York, he's at, you know, that number is going to be an absolute monster number. If we ever get to that, you know, a Jets second contract guy, which would be nice. But um, you want to talk a little bit about Quinn real quick, and then we'll talk about the Jets salary cap, how it's kind of going forward here. We've talked about this a lot. I know, Quinn's a very – I think he's one of the more complicated projections of what a deal could look like, and frankly, from the Jets' side and also from Quinn's side, like what do you value yourself at? Um, no one's going to be in that Aaron Donald defensive tackle $30 million a year range. That's just – he's he is who he is, and that's why he's paid that way. But you look at the Fletcher Cox, Cam Haywards of the world, and those are the guys that are, you know, the kind of hallmark Chris Jones, like defensive tackles you think of franchise guys. Quinn's there, and I, I don't think the NFL does either, based on a lot of the stuff that's come out this offseason. He's a nice player, and I think there's a lot of upside. But um, where do you stand on Quinn generally, and then how do you kind of evaluate how like what you would pay him if you're you know in the Joe Douglas chair? Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's upside, but it's like we're also going into year three. So when is that upside going to come come along? And you know, he he played you know only towards the end of his career at Alabama. Obviously, it's hard to break through on that Alabama defensive line, and. You know, I think the tough thing here is you mentioned Aaron Donald. No one's going to touch Aaron Donald, but there is this gap right now. I mean, look, Aaron Donald reset his own market. He's had a 2018 extension for $22.5 million, gets a raise on himself. And I think an exa- you look at a guy like Jonathan Allen with the Washington Commanders, signed for $18 million a year. That deal already has aged masterfully. It's a wonderful value for them. Other side of the coin, you look at a guy like Leonard Williams, um, you know, a former Jet, uh, you know, getting that remarkable $21 million per year on a three-year super heavily guaranteed deal. I think that's where maybe the Jets are thinking, look, Jeffrey Simmons, Christian Wilkins, some of these other young interior guys, and not only in his class, but some other players around the league, maybe they are going to then try to say, hey, look, we're not Aaron Donald, but we're going to try to push it to 23, 24, you know, million dollars. Maybe if we can get Quinn in right now for 18, 19 million dollars per year. Yeah, he's not really worth that today. But if he does finally break out, show that potential we always talk about, then it could age very well. If I'm Joe Douglas, though, I am holding firm. I'm waiting for another year. You had the flexibility, the fifth-year option. He has not really earned or deserved that multi-year big money extension yet, even if you're chasing some surplus value. You know, I put out an article 
that said, you know, 21 million per year on a five-year deal. But that was if he had a really good season this year. Doesn't have to be a world beater, first team all pro, but just, you know, again, shows what we thought he was going to be as the number three overall pick back in 2020. And I think there it is possible, but you have to actually see it, um, you know, not just in camp and not just, you know, the buzz, but actually see it on the football field. Yeah, and the other thing I think with Quinn that's tough is like the Jets, you know, when he first came out, like he got put in a position where I think he was played a little bit out of position and played more of that, you know, 3-4 defensive end, which I don't think naturally kind of suited his his game. But last year, you know, I don't I don't I don't know how to like it's hard to explain this, I guess, for but this is just a personal opinion. When guys have to have everything perfect for you to keep saying like, oh, like they needed to add more, they need to add more for him to get the best out of him. Like Yes, that's true, but also when you're paying guys upwards of twenty, twenty-five million dollars a year, I do feel like you kind of need them to be good no matter what the situation is. And um, Quinn had a really nice start to the year last year. I thought, you know, he didn't wasn't consistent, but he had like really good first ten or twelve games or ten or eleven games. And then, you know, he had one quarterback hit after week eleven. Like, I know he got banged up and whatever, but you know, it's not like the Jets were playing. The Jets were playing games. They were competitive down the stretch more so than they actually were at the beginning of the year. So teams were throwing more and you had more chances. And, um, you know, you look at what the Jets did with the, you know, the John Franklin Myers deal and Jordan Whitehead deal, the two deals that were on some of your best value contracts team-wise. Um, you know, JFM might not have had a million sacks, but a ton of pressures. He was really good in the run game. It felt like every game he was consistent. I don't feel like you feel that from Quinn necessarily. And this all, this defense is meant to like benefit Quinn more than anything. Um, because he's in that 4-3 attacking rush scheme. He's got all these talented guys around him. You need to see it this year. And if you see it, then that deal will come. And I think Quinn's a nice player. And again, I'm not trying to slander him. It's just, that's a lot of, I mean, that'd be the biggest contract in Jets history, right? Like this is not, this is unprecedented waters for them. A, it's, you know, I guess a bad thing. They've never had guys that have gotten to approach that number. It's a nice thing that they're starting to get guys that you would, you know, would hope be able to achieve that. I wanted to talk a little bit before we preview camp a little bit and kind of what your talk takes on the Jets and AFCs, but you know, you, you came out with an article talking about kind of salary cap health, kind of long-term. There's a lot of different factors. Can you kind of walk, you know, the listeners through it a little bit and the Jets ranked in the top six. I know fans don't want to hear about salary cap stuff sometimes because it seems like the Jets have just been a, you know, salary cap darling the last couple of years, which is nice, but um, you know, why is that so important kind of for them going forward with the way they're building this roster? Yeah, I mean, to the point of, you know, not really caring, uh, you know, Joe Banner, a longtime NFL executive, he, he quote tweeted that and said, basically, it's not a good thing if you're at the top of this list, but you're not winning games. And, and that's true, right? I mean, it's good to have salary cap health and flexibility, but if you have it because no one on your roster is good enough to pay, you know, and you're not competitive, then it doesn't really matter. Or it shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but, you know, it, it's not it's not doing anything for fans on Sundays. And so they do they did do very well. A lot of it is tied into the fact they have so many rookie contract players, early draft picks that again are expected to play well and, and and play above their contract level obviously you have three first rounders and Brees Hall you know in the early uh, second round this year and I think what it comes down to is the ability to pay guys like that I mean you mentioned you have Carl Lawson making 15 million a year John Franklin Myers just under 14 and you could give Quinn and Williams you know 18 20 million per year even with those two other big deals on the defensive line because they've they've been cap healthy I remember last year, folks were asking, you know, why are they trying to get a pay cut out of Jamison Crowder? And why are they doing all these things, even with cap health? And I think that shows that Joe Douglas, it doesn't matter. Just because you have salary cap, it doesn't mean you're going to overpay for players or give guys more money than they're actually worth and deserve. And that's why they're so healthy there. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of flexibility. They have the ability to spend and pay some of their homegrown guys if they deserve it. 
They have all these rookie contracts that if some of those guys pan out, they will be providing a ton of surplus value over their rookie deals. And yeah, they just also have not over leveraged themselves with some, you know the Lawson deal. And you mentioned DJ Reed and, and Jordan Whitehead again, just because they had space, they did not. I thought that a lot of those deals were good value. And DJ Reed was a fair value, probably a good deal for him. But Jordan Whitehead, I thought we get a little bit more. Carl Lawson's a very good player, obviously an unfortunate injury, but I did like that contract for them a lot. They've just been they've been smart. They have been very specific with what they do. They do not they're not willing to overspend or to you know step outside of their comfort zone. They set a value and they stick to it. Um, and, and yeah, so end of the day, why it matters is if let's say they do see, you see growth this year, Zach takes steps, Quinnen takes steps. Some of these young guys, Garrett and Gardner come in and, and look the part. They don't have to worry of, oh, do we need to not spend or are we regret the lake and top? Like nothing matters because they have the space there. I, I mean, obviously you can't pay everyone, but, but that's why it's important is eventually when these big time guys, your homegrown guys want, you know, five-year deals for nine figures with massive guarantees, you're able to do that because you've been frugal and, and smart before that. Yeah. It's something that the Jets struggle with a lot. Um, under Mike McCagney was they had all the space and they just would spend it because they felt like they had to. It's like, okay, cool. Let's overpay. Like, I love CJ Mosley, but overpay three, $4 million a year annually overpaid. No one else was going to pay like on Bell that the Jets paid. Like I understand there's a tax when you're not very good. You have to pay players more and the Jaguars experienced that more than anybody this year. But just because you have the space doesn't mean you always have to spend it like every single dollar and, and you know, got on overpaid guys that are not worth their value. Um, it's funny, the Christian Kirk deal doesn't look quite as bad anymore based on kind of the way everyone else got paid. He like ruined the market, but then it actually doesn't look quite as bad as it did, uh, you know, a couple months ago. Let's talk a little training camp. Obviously, rookies report today. Um, again, obviously, the Bruce Hall thing, hopefully we'll get, you know, itself solved out pretty quickly here. One team probably just needs to budge and then everyone else is kind of going to be stuck with, <laughs> stuck with paying them. Um, but what are your kind of expectations for the Jets and then kind of the AFDs in general? Because it's a division that, depending on what fan base you talk to, depending on what coaches and scouts and executives you talk to. Some people are really high on the Jets. Some people still are like, they suck. Some people are really high in Miami. Some people are like, two is not very good in the division. The offensive line's not fixed. The Bills are the class of the division. And some people think the Patriots are going to be had to pick a top 10 next year. And, and other people are like, Max, it's Mac and Bill, and they'll be fine. So where does the AFCs kind of all shake out? And then what's your expectations, I guess, for the Jets, uh, you know, in general? Yeah, I mean, on paper, the Jets have talent at pretty much every spot. You know, I thought coming into this offseason, the secondary, I thought was just just devoid of talent, frankly. And you go out and you add Whitehead, um, you add DJ Reed, you obviously add Sauce Gardner now as well. So just, you know, I think the floor is pretty high there. They may not be a top unit, but they should be vastly improved from last year. And then the thing, too, which kind of goes back to our Quinn conversation, I mean, Robert Saleh, all he does is get defensive linemen paid. I mean, you, if you're a defensive lineman, you want to sign a one-year deal, go sign him with Robert Saleh, and someone will pay you a ton the following offseason. So I do think with their healthy Carl Lawson back and, you know, you bring in uh, Jermaine Johnson, you should have a good defense, which is obviously not good at all last year, and you want that to be the unit that kind of carries you. Um, and then, of course, you bring in Garrett Wilson. I've always been high on Elijah Moore. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling that, you know, I, I originally thought he had, but a good player. Um, you know, and, and so I, again, it, it does come down to Zach Wilson, um, kind of for everything. And, and the thing too, is 
So yeah, so long story short, if they win 10 games, I'd be surprised. But you know, if they win eight to 10 games, I'd be like, oh, you know, that's, <laughs> they had the talent to do that. If they win four or five, I would be surprised in the opposite direction. I think they're a seven, eight win football team. You look at the schedule though. I mean, start of the season, it, it's a gauntlet. You get the entire AFC North, then you get some tough division games, Bills, Patriots, you know, the Dolphins, like you said, you know, they could, I think they're a 500 football team again. Uh, the Bills, I think are one of the best teams in the league. And the Patriots, I think are again, kind of a 10 win team. Didn't really dramatically improve. You could probably argue they took a step back this off season and losing Shaq Mason and kind of some of the moves they made. Um, but yeah, the AFC as a conference is just so much better than the NFC and has so many good teams in it that like, you'd probably want to say, look, I want to see the Jets, like maybe get a wild card or at least compete for a wild card. And I'm watching meaningful football, you know, in December, I would hope that's the case. I hope they're competitive in every game, but just because of how good this conference is, if it's a seven win season, but they're, they have five, one score losses. I think you got to try to find a way as a Jets fan to still be happy with individual growth, recognize how young you are. One of the youngest teams in the NFL and show, look, they were competitive in these games. It's not like they got blown out 15 times or, you know, whatever the case may be. So end of the day, I think they're a seven to nine win football team on paper, but you bring in the schedule. It's very tough. Um, and then you're just looking at you know, the entire conference as a whole, but they need to show growth. My thing, like I just said, I care more about how do they actually look in the games. There's none of these games that are over in the first half. You see progression from Zach Wilson. You, you know, eliminate some of those mistakes. You see the deep, honestly, the defense for me too. Like you brought in Robert Sala and you've added all these pieces. Now this needs to be a good defense or a, an above average defense. Um, I thought they almost, they almost regressed in some ways last year, which was a bit concerning. I mean, they have some talent there, uh, but nevertheless, long answer short about an average football team. It's going to come down to how, you know, some things break and injuries and all that stuff, but they need to be competitive in most of the games they play. Yeah. The, the thing for the Jets is this can't be a year where, like there can be like pretty much no excuse for non-competitive games. You have to find a way to win some division games. They've won a division game in over two years. And the last time they won a division game was a week 17 game where the Bills were already in the playoffs and Matt Barkley lost to Sam Darn 13 to six or 13 to three. Like that stuff, it's it just Jets fans, again, and just people around the NFL, like I know people flipped out yesterday. I tweeted the Madden ratings. And for some reason, like it's, I didn't make the ratings. I don't know why everyone's getting so pissed, but you know, there's a whole argument and it's just like, no one around, like no one around the league, and we we talked about this last time you were on. Like, if you want respect around the league, you have to like show it. <laughs> and just because you do nice things, you know, the Jets have done nice things in the past. And yes, this is probably the first time I can remember where everyone kind of like unanimously is like they're doing everything the right way. You kind of gutted the whole roster. You know, the staff is now aligned at the hip with you know the quarterback and most of the players on the roster and the GM and all these different things. And they changed the ownership structure and all these different things. They haven't overspent, but they've spent, they've had great picks. They've been aggressive, all these things. Right. But like they got the quarterback everyone wanted, basically like all that, all this type of stuff. At the end of the day, it comes down to Zach. And I'm going to say this 800 more times on the podcast before, you know, the season starts. And, but Zach has to be like, at least a league average quarterback for me. Like I, I know the expectation is like, Oh, don't get too hot. Like, you know, don't put too much on his shoulders. I tweeted out the stat line and this is basically the average stats for him were he goes for 230 yards a game, a touchdown and a half or a touch, 1.8 touchdowns and a pick a game. Would you be happy? And everyone's like, no, I don't know. And it's like, that's a 4,000 yard, 30 touchdown season in today's NFL. And the best season the Jets have ever had for a quarterback. So I kind of say all of that of like, 
you should be able to win seven or eight games. And if you do that, and Zach, if you win eight games and Zach sucks, like at least you're the team that's like, we get a quarterback and we trade for Kyler or whoever is, you know, the next guy that's going to, or Lamar, because Lamar doesn't sign a deal or whoever. Now we're the team that's like, we're one, we're one player away and another year of development. And because your salary cap health, you can actually pay these guys. They just, just have to show that this roster is good. Like that's the end of the, like you need to show people like we're either the Browns of basically last year where we're one guy, we think we're one guy away um, or we're so five-win team where, you know, Zach's, Zach's not good, but the roster's also terrible. Like, that stuff can't happen anymore. Um, I'll finish with two quick questions. I kind of just mentioned both of those guys there. The Lamar thing is really weird for me because I don't – like, everyone views him di- differently. Obviously, the production's insane. Last year, I think people kind of forget last year he like, wasn't very good. Like, thir- 16 touchdowns to 13 picks is like, very awful um, for a guy that was an MVP two years before. But at the same time, he was hurt. There was a, there was some COVID stuff. There was a lot of just like there was a lot going on in Baltimore last year, and I felt like so many injuries. And I know people have questions long term about him because obviously your legs are the first thing to go. But Lamar is also very talented through the air. I feel like what do you kind of what do you do with Lamar, and how do you kind of view him? Because I just feel like this is such a unique case where Kyler Kyler's pretty generic based on like what Watson and these other guys that are kind of similar style, but Lamar is just. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what the Ravens do. And I don't know what he's looking for, honestly, money-wise. Yeah, it's it's one of the more unique situations, you know, maybe ever. Yeah, he's obviously one of one. I think, yeah, last year, look, you have Ronnie Stanley out for pretty, pretty much the entire season. Alejandro Villanueva did not work out as a signing. Not that they paid him a ton, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he retired after the season. So I think he knew that as well. Um, you, you know, like they were decimated by injury. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, it's tough because – he matters so much to this offense. He, he arguably matters more as an individual to his offense than any other player. You know, in the article I put out, he's on there as well. I mean, teams bite less on play action against the Ravens than any other team when he's on the field specifically because he's just such a threat. So he makes it easy for the running backs. He, you know, guys are getting open, all these things. Um, and it's tough, though, because he's coming off, I guess, his worst season of his career, and now he wants you know, this massive extension. Um, I think... Baltimore is, is a little nervous. Like, I think they're in a tough spot. I mean, I think they would have liked to get an extension done last offseason you know, when Josh Allen got his done. I'm guessing, you know, maybe he wanted more than that and they weren't comfortable going there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're getting further and further removed from that 2019 MVP campaign. I, I think he's a great player. He's still so young. I mean, he's younger than Joe Burrow. Um, there is room for growth. I think he can get better as a passer outside the numbers. We haven't seen a ton of it, but I think we saw a little bit of it. Um, you know, Marquise Brown had a, had a career year last year, and I think some of that was honestly him improving his deep ball and even the intermediate ball just kind of outside the numbers, which has been a big knock against him. Um, I think you have to do it, though. Like, I, he's he's not going to take anything. I mean, the, the deal I put in the article, four years, 188 mil, which is $47 million per year, basically just said, hey, he wants to get – hey, look – Wants a little bit more than a Sean Watson. Um, and, you know, he has an argument. It's just tough. I think the thing for them is more than other quarter. even though I just said he's more valuable than any other player, I also think they think, unlike other quarterbacks, where let's say you pay the guy and then you have to lose some talent, you know, like a Joe Burrow. If they have to lose T. Higgins or, or maybe they lose, you know, some offensive linemen, they don't, they don't re-sign Jonah or something like that, they'll probably say, look, 
Joe Burrow can still overcome that. He can still make up for those losses and can kind of elevate players around him. Again, not saying Lamar doesn't elevate guys. He does. But can they lose a Ronnie Stanley? Can they have a bad offensive line? Can they have, you know, mediocre weapons, which I guess they've kind of always had since he's been there. But, like, can he still win without us being able to spend a ton on defense and spend around him? I think that is the question. And I'm not sure they're super confident either way. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to take anything less than – around that 45 million per year mark. And and I would probably give it to him just because he's so young and he's so dynamic. And you could argue, I would argue you could give him maybe a four year extension instead of some of these six, seven, eight year deals we're seeing. And he still wouldn't be 30 years old by the time it's done. And then if you think the wheels are falling off and it's a Cam Newton type of situation, you could still have a potential clean exit or he proves it. He becomes a better pocket passer. um, And and you say, you know, we'll we'll re-up him again. Um, it's tough though. I, I just think you want to do it because next off season, I mean, I think Kyler is going to get done probably the next week, frankly, the next off season, Burrow and Herbert are going to get 50 million plus per year. It always grows at quarterback. I'd probably do it now, even knowing some of the risks there, just cause you know, there's only one Lamar Jackson in, in the world right now. Yeah. And you look at the Cowboys, like, I feel like you kind of look back to what the Cowboys kind of put themselves in a the real pickle with Dak, where, I'm not sure Dak is like, I don't know, Dak's a, you know, anytime you play quarterback for the Cowboys, you're going to be probably, frankly, a little bit overrated or underrated based on just how much coverage it gets. But I don't know. I don't know that the Cowboys wanted to pay Dak what they had to pay him. But the problem is, it's like you back yourself in a corner and he's a free agent. So yeah, you can't, you kept tagging him. It's the same thing with Kirk Cousins. You know, I think as much as the Jets fans have suffered the last couple of years, I think the Jets avoided a huge, like, red flag with with Kirk Cousins because they you know he used them for leverage he had no business he didn't know they didn't want to be here the Jets were going to give him you know at the time fully guaranteed 90 million dollars which is insane um obviously it's changed a bunch now and um I know everyone anyone that follows me knows I'm a huge baseball fan it's the same thing with you know, a lot of stuff with Aaron Judge and Juan Soto and all these different guys it's like every contract situation is different and you know George fans very different than Orlando Brown and you know, Bridges, for example, is kind of what we talked about earlier, and Donald is very different than Quinnen, and obviously, and things like that. So, you just you never know. Like, if you you know, the Nationals tried to add on, you know, they kind of did the what a lot of teams do. They add a bunch of years on and hope that you know the total number. Obviously, baseball is fully guaranteed, but um, you know, the actual number was pretty low because it's pretty disrespectful. And I feel like if you're Lamar, you probably want more years because you know. You know, eventually, you know, down the line, you see what happened with Cam, Michael Vick, and other guys where similar, you know, just somewhat similar running quarterbacks that, um, you know, quote unquote, obviously that, you know, your legs can kind of start to go. But at the same time, if you're the Ravens, you don't want to sit there and give them eight or nine years. For, <laughs> that's just like seems like a crazy, you're not giving them the Pat Mahomes 10 for 500, essentially. So, um, well, I'll add on one thing. I know you're a Bears guy. Are you like, what's your concern level? Because I feel like, you know, I know they haven't put a lot, a lot around fields and it kind of feels like they're doing what the Jets did to Darnold in year two, where like they like reset, but they didn't really like get, they didn't really like buy in of, like a reset. It was like, we're going to kind of give you enough that it looks like we're trying, but we're not really trying that hard. So like, what is, what do you feel like on fields? And then are you concerned at all? They're kind of just like, if he sucks, we're going to be out. And if, you know, he's good. We'll be like, oh, see, we tried. You know, I think it's, I mean, you'd be lying if you weren't concerned about the talent around him. I think they have a bottom five offensive line. I think they have a bottom five group of weapons. 
And the one difference that you try to hang your head on is I, I do. I've heard a lot. I asked a million people about Luke Getze when they hired him as offensive coordinator coming over from Green Bay. Um, I think what he does, he kind of gets called a Shanahan guy. He's more of a um, he, going back to his days of Oregon, kind of this Joe Moorhead type offense. But, you know, nevertheless, like I think he fits what Fields wants to do. And I think unlike a Darnold and, and sticking with Adam Gase or you know, whatever the case may be, you try to argue, look, we're going to run a bunch of wide zone. We're going to run the ball a ton. We want you to throw the ball 50, 55% of the time. So, look, do I think Fields is going to have a great season statistically? Probably not. I mean, if he does, then he's, I think he's like an MVP caliber player. So that, that would be great. But the talent around him is scary. I think you just buy into the system. And like you said, it's a full rebuild. If Justin Fields wasn't on this roster, everyone would be saying, are the Bears tanking? Like, it's, it's funny. Like, that's not a narrative. If he wasn't there and they were trotting out Nick Foles, it'd be the most obvious tank job, even more than the Dolphins in 2019. The roster is intentionally awful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. I, don't, I do not think they're going to win many games. You're just looking for individual progression. You just want fields to limit some of those mistakes, take what's given to him a little bit more often, obviously kind of like Zach, and, and just – buy into the system of what you're running. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't like it at first either, you know, hated the play action, didn't want to turn his back to the defense, didn't want to throw the ball 21 to 25 times a game versus 40 like he did with McCarthy. But I think Fields is okay with that. He has the legs as a weapon. So, yeah, the concern level is obviously high. I mean, they're going to be very bad this year, but I think you just buy into how is he growing mechanically because there were some question marks there. And then it's just is the game slowing down for him individually um, but uh, yeah, when you have that little talent around you, it's kind of hard to accomplish. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple of guys, I know we've been talking a lot about extensions, it's just this is the time of year that there's a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of people that are in interesting situations where it could go one of two ways. I look at the Jalen Hurts situation and Daniel Jones, both who, you know, you could argue, you know, I feel like Daniel Jones is, I mean, it's obviously further along in fields and no one, I don't think anyone feels anywhere near about Jones that they do about fields, but you know, the Giants have kind of did the half rebuild thing. They're doing the half rebuild thing with Daniel Jones too, where it's like kind of put up or shut up. And, you know, he's gotten more time and it's still New York and it's a little bit of a different market. And the Giants organization is um, kind of held on to guys a little too long for, for a long time here. And I'm, we'll see what that kind of continues. Um, I want to ask you quickly about Jalen Hurts because the number got floated. I believe Adam Kaplan was on and a couple other people floated the number of 30, $35 million a year for Hurts. And I just, I just, I don't know. I, I'm still like a little hesitant on him. I feel like there's a lot of nice things there and they've added a ton of talent. They've got a great offensive line and they've got, I mean, they've got top tier weapons now, you know, at all levels, the defense is good. They've got a coach that I'm not totally sold on, um, but I'm also not like out on him either. Um, I don't know. Hurts like are, are people, are the Eagles really going to give Hurts 30, $35 million a year right now? Like, I feel like it's, it's going to be, it's going to have to play well this year. No, like it's not going to be a camp situation where they extend them. I would be shocked if he's extended this off season. Uh, well, I guess he can't, he can't, he's not, he can't get an extension. Well. But nevertheless, like even, even after this season, I, I think when people kind of ask me like, are the quarterback contracts going too far? Is there ever going to be a correction at the top of the market? No, it's going to continue to rise. What I think is going to happen. We touched on the Kirk cousins, that second tier, the Kirk cousins, Derek cars go down the list that make, you know, 30, 35, as opposed to 45. I don't see that being a market. I think the Eagles are one of the sharpest teams in the NFL. I tell you this, I think they added an additional first round pick next year and a second round pick the year after that in case they do say, look, we didn't see enough growth from Hertz this year. We're going to use this ammo to trade up and take a guy we like in next year's class. But then B is just, I actually think they do like him. I think they think he can grow into a good quarterback, but 
it's tough. Like you'd rather just go the route of maybe get a, you know, a veteran and then draft a kid as opposed to giving that mid tier money that still hampers your ability to spend elsewhere on a quarterback. It's good. Not great. Can he ever become a top eight, top 12 quarterback? I don't know. Um, and I just don't think the Eagles are going to make that mistake. So look, if he has a great year and, and really takes a big step, I think they are bought in as a person. I think the locker room loves him, all those things. But I think they need to see it. I think, look, they went one and seven against playoff teams last year. They snuck in at the end of the season with a bunch of, you know, wins against the awful NFC East. Look, they exceeded my expectations. I thought they were going to be terrible last year. And I do think he has shown progression, even going back to Oklahoma and Alabama and all that. But they're not going to make that mistake of saying, well, he's pretty good and maybe he could become better. And we'll give him the kind of that 35 million Kirk Cousins deal. No, they're going to say, you're the dude or we're going to go find the dude. And I think that's just kind of how they're viewing the whole thing. Yeah, it's you look at around the NFL and it just feels like like these teams all convince themselves. And again, I'm not in that chair. I wish I was, but I'm not. And it's easier said than done. But it's like we keep seeing the same mistake happen over and over again. So Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Baker. We saw the Browns were like, we're not paying Baker. And like Baker is more than funny. You know, he was pretty good, damn good during COVID. And then obviously was awful last year. But all these different teams, they keep making the same mistake. That's why I think. When you go back to the AFC East, and we'll finish with this, the reason that I think Jets fans and the people around the league are really interested to see what happens with Zach is, like, the talent level of Zach versus a Tua and a Mac Jones, in my opinion, at least, especially from an arm talent perspective. The reason you drafted Zach Wilson where you did is because you think he can become on that level of the Mahomes, Josh. I'm not saying I can. I think that. I'll just still believe that. But, you know, I'm not going to bail on my, my pre-draft stuff yet that – like you expect that he can still be a top five or top 10 guy. That's like, we want to pay him in because we know he's that talented where the Patriots and the dolphins are in a weird spot where like the dolphins have quite literally invested an absurd amount of money in that offense. And I don't know that, like, I still don't know that we think that Tua can, if we're still question marks with Tua at the end of the season, like, I just don't know, like, okay, maybe he's in top 20 guy, top 15 guy. That's the issue where like, these teams get for themselves. And I feel like the same with Hertz where like, unless he's awesome next year, if he's just solid, like Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, Miles Sanders, all these guys around him, this offensive line, a play caller that Mitch Ryan is supposed to be this really offensive, you know, innovative guy. It's just like this quarterback market is so weird. And I know you kind of touched on it. Like it's just, you get to a point where like you look at Tennessee and it's like, do they have buyers? Like Tannehill has been really nice. And he's like at the highest yards per attempt and all this stuff in the NFL season ever. And like, they're a one seed and they still lost at home to a Cincinnati team that was supposed to be terrible. So just, you put yourself in a weird spot. I feel like the Raiders are in a weird spot too. Like their car is really productive, but if they don't win this year, like how do you keep paying the same guy knowing we've done everything around him? So I don't know if that really, I know that rant is probably uh, for another time, but it's just, you either got to be really good or not good. Like being in the middle is just a bad place to be. No, I'm totally with you. And I think the NFL is finally figuring that out. You mentioned Baker Mayfield. I, I say this a lot. If, if five years ago he had the third season he had, he would have got extended last offseason. Like they would have given him that deal. Yes, it would not have been top of market, but it would have been kind of in that, you know, that second tier or whatever. Um, and then they would have regretted it pretty much immediately. So that is, I think, the lesson people have learned. You mentioned Tua. I mean, I just don't think it's possible. They they also kept their extra first next year, um, you know, even with their maneuver, or, you know, going out and getting Tyree Kill, and I think that was intentional. And I'll say this last thing because we talked about him. If Lamar Jackson does not sign an extension, let's say hypothetically he somehow gets out of Baltimore, they look for a trade. He's from South Florida. 
He's fast as hell, just like everybody else on the, on the Dolphins team. I Again, this is a pipe dream, but I, I would keep an eye on them next year if if things do kind of fall apart potentially. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. Unfortunately, I, I saw that floating. There was a Lamar uh, Dolphins thing. I was like, that would just be a disaster for the Jets. And like, like you get Brady out of the division, somehow Josh Allen turns into a superhero. Um, we'll get your last three predictions here. Who's winning the Super Bowl? You know, and you can obviously, this is subject to change. No one hold Brad through this. Uh, who's winning MVP and who's the team that's going to surprise, be the most surprising, like, team that's supposed to be bad? It'll be good. All right. Well, you're not going to like the first answer, but the Buffalo Bills are my pick this year. Um, you know, I, I've said the last couple of years, I thought their biggest weakness was the defensive line. You add Von Miller, you have all these young guys from recent draft picks that should either get better or just be better because of the presence of Von Miller. Um, some questions in the secondary, but I think they're going to figure that out as the year goes on. Uh, MVP, probably a boring pick, but I, I just think Herbert might take that step. Like now that he's everything's entrenched, you, you keep Mike Williams, you, you solidify. I love the Zion Johnson pick in the first round. Um, and I think, you know, he could, the thing there is if, if you play well in that AFC West and maybe, you know, win that division, you're, you're almost not a shoe in, but like, you're a very good candidate for that MVP. Honestly, this isn't pandering. Like, I think the Jets, like a lot of people have Jaguars. I think the Jets could be that team. It does all come down to Zach Wilson, but you can't point to a unit on this team. And the tight ends last year were terrible. You had two good ones. You had the secondary, I mentioned the offensive line with Tomlinson slide over AVT. Like there's all the pieces in place. If Zach Wilson, let's like you said, let's say he's above average this year. He's the 14th best quarterback in the NFL. They could sneak in as a wild card. So that that's, that's my pick for that one. All right. That, I definitely like that pick. I think I agree with you. Um, you know, I think the bills are going to be a trendy pick for everybody. They were a trendy pick last year and you could argue, you know, obviously everyone loves to say how important that game was. Um, and yeah, I know MVP. I think, you know, if the bills in the Super Bowl, I think Josh Allen could be an you know, MVP guy. I'd love to pick Rogers again. I'm the biggest Rogers fan there is, but um, I don't think that he's going to get a third year in a row votes. You never know. He could, you know, if they decide to throw the ball five, if he takes that receiving core and they're still amazing, like, something that defense is incredible but um you know we'll see obviously appreciate you having me on um we will have charles mcdonald and nate geary from the uh, bills pre and post and charles mcdonald beats from the judge's beat on thursday or friday's episode we'll preview more of camp obviously hopefully bruce hall is signed by them so fans don't freak out um but obviously appreciate you coming on and uh, make sure you check out brad's work obviously a lot of stuff that we talked about is you know on the site and um, you know, it's really interesting. And I think it's, you know, very, it makes Saturday have stuff very simple if you don't quite understand uh, the nuances of it. Thanks for having me, man.